This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM. 132. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And I'm Nick Ashburn. And we're here, here live every Thursday morning from 8 to 10 Eastern. And then we're replayed during the week and on our app. On demand on the SiriusXM app. This segment, we're going to talk to Dan Klein, who's president and CEO of the Patient Access Network Foundation. It's the largest charitable organization dedicated, dedicated to helping people afford their out-of-pocket medical costs. Dan, welcome to Dollars and Change. Well, thank you. I look forward to talking with you today. Great. We look forward to hearing about about your organization. So just tell us how long have you been with the organization? I've been with PAN just under five years, mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, joined after working for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation for nearly 10 years. So it was a pretty natural evolution for me to come to PAN right, and right. Uh, start working with uh, a broader group of patients. So, as I as I mentioned in the introduction, PAN is a charitable organization that helps uh, people afford their out-of-pocket medical costs, and and we all, <laughs> I think you can't listen to any any news or read anything without understanding what a what a big and significant issue this is. The out-of-pocket costs are are um, often prohibitive for people and a major cause of bankruptcy, etc. So. Tell us a little bit about how people access this funding. Sure. So you're right. The the out-of-pocket costs, which, of course, by that we mean deductibles, co-pays, and co-insurance. We're not talking usually about premiums when we talk about out-of-pocket right. costs. But those um, um, out-of-pocket costs um, have really grown tremendously over the past decade. So um, they've grown far faster than wages They've grown faster than um, healthcare costs in general. And um, so they represent a shift of um, uh, expense to the patient. And um, they have uh, reached a level where many, many patients really cannot afford to get the treatment they need without some kind of assistance. So the uh, Patient Access Network Foundation, the PAN Foundation, as we're usually called, um, provides grants to patients to... Uh, help pay either for all or part of those out-of-pocket costs. And about 90% of the patients we help are people who are on Medicare. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a very needy group because they don't have a lot of um, other places they can go for help um, because of federal regulations. Um, So patients come to us in three ways. They either get referred to us by their physician, by their pharmacist, or they come to us directly because they've found out about us through the web or through a friend or through a caregiver. And um, we, we provide over 200,000 patients with grants every year and provide um, around half a billion dollars in assistance. Wow. It's a very large-scale endeavor. And um, we like to say we're the largest foundation nobody's heard of. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that seems right. Yeah, and... So that, that's a kind of interesting explanation, and thank you for that. I mean, and I know my husband, for instance, is a type 1 diabetic, and so he has insulin costs, which mm-hmm. um, if he doesn't manage it carefully, can be 
$300 for, you know, supply kind of stuff. So it's, mm-hmm. we understand what the challenges are. How do we, how do we put Pan out of business, right? I mean, what would it <laughs> You be? went right for the jugular <laughs> no, no, here. That, well, that, to, that, that is our aspiration. Yeah, yeah trying we, to think we, about root causes and how, how do we avoid this? Because it is, it is just horrendous. You hear about people who don't take their medicine so that they can afford rent, and then their blood pressure skyrockets and they have a stroke. It's just... Well, and not to mention on this show, we've even had multiple guests for just coming at this issue about healthcare affordability. right. From different air angles, right? So there are a lot of people tackling this, but it doesn't. We don't seem to be moving the needle significantly yet. Right. So there are near-term and long-term solutions that are going to be required, and I think that um, uh, what Pan does is uh, focus every day on essentially putting our finger in the dike. So we're yeah. providing a near-term solution. It's absolutely necessary. Um, and I don't see any systemic change that's going to um, eliminate the need for PAN in the next two or three years. But our aspiration would be not to be needed at all um, and to go find other gainful employment. <laughs> but um, uh, for the near term, uh, the patients who come to us are um, typically um, between 200 and 400 percent of federal poverty level. The median household income on Medicare is about $26,000 a year. So if you're a seriously ill patient with Medicare, um, you are likely to be unable to afford your medication because um, the cost of treatment for diseases like cancer or Parkinson's or MS have um, grown. And they've grown um, in part because there's better uh, treatments available, but those treatments are very expensive. Um, but a bigger, a bigger factor than just the expense of the treatment is the design of the benefit. So in Medicare, at the beginning of every year, the deductible renews. So you have a, a little over $400 deductible. Um, you have, this is in Part D, the prescription drug program. Mm-hmm. You have um, a cost-sharing um, in the initial coverage period of 25%, then you get to the donut hole. And then to get through the donut hole... And, you'll and have, people don't know what's the donut hole? Um, it's the coverage gap. Okay. So in, in the Medicare benefit design, um, you have a deductible, you have a cost-sharing period, then you have a coverage gap where um, essentially the patient is responsible for all of the cost. And then you hit what's called the catastrophic threshold, after which you would pay as the patient 5% for the cost of your medication. So in um, 2019, a patient on Medicare Part D would need to pay $5,100 out of pocket to get up to that catastrophic threshold. Wow, and, and given the income level, that's that's a significant portion. Yeah, it, it could be... a you know, 20% yeah. um, or, or more of, of the person's income, which is impossible for right. many, many patients. Yeah. So and, and Dan, you, to be clear, we are talking about if you have to make that decision, it, I, it could be as dramatic as life and death and or like I'm not going to pay my rent this month or I'm not going, you know, like there are so many significant ramifications right. of that price tag. Absolutely. And and the other thing that people often uh, hear is that, um, well, cost sharing is a way to um, 
incentivize uh, patients to make good choices. But when you're seriously ill, when you have one of these um, very expensive diseases, uh, cancer again, or a chronic disease, or a rare disease, oftentimes the treatment is not shoppable, so to speak. Mm -hmm. In other words, um, there may be only one recommended treatment, or there may be just one or two medications, and they're all expensive. So um, I think a lot of times um, uh, the, there's a public health concept called blaming the victim, and um, that sort of gets applied here across the board. The patient who oftentimes is just trying to deal with the fact that they've been diagnosed with cancer and are overwhelmed with all of those issues is in the um, least um, you know, advantageous position to make a choice about um, how to save money on treatment. And oftentimes there is no less expensive alternative. Um, so what we do is provide a grant to patients that covers their out-of-pocket costs for a full year. And that way we can make sure the patients initiate treatment and stay on treatment and hopefully um, are able to uh, uh, get better or certainly um, improve the quality of their life and avoid a financial catastrophe on top of already having a serious illness. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Warden School, and on Sirius XM 132. We're talking to Dan Klein, who's president and CEO of the Patient Access Network Foundation. Dan, I might have you play a little bit of a social psychologist here, so apologies. Um, but this this idea of blame the victim, and yet so many of these issues are so personal. Like there, you can't. I can't talk to Cheryl without not without her being herself or one degree of separation from someone who has experienced a significant yeah. illness or healthcare costs are on their mind. I mean, period, whether it was your husband being type one diabetic or just like anyone in our family yeah. or friends, like someone has dealt with this. Yes. But yet we sort of have that until it happens to me, I'm not as aware of this like systemic issue and I'm not willing to pay for it or whatever it might be. We think of it as like one off cases somehow. It doesn't it doesn't Absolutely. add to add to a mass of people. And so, that's Dan, exactly that's the social right. psychologist piece is like, why, why is that? And maybe it's not your opinion, but rather, like, what do you think the overarching narrative is here, how we get here? Well, I, I think you're exactly right. Out of the 40-plus um, million people who have Medicare Part D, the prescription drug program, only about a million reach that catastrophic threshold. And, um, you know, those patients are the ones who really see the dysfunction within the um, design of the benefit. Um, it, it's, uh, as you know, um, uh, always uh, uh, easier to put off um, a cost until um, after uh, the crisis hits, if you will. Yeah, we're not so, into prevention, um, right? No, no. I mean, there's all sorts of theories, you know, in behavioral economics about this or uh, the theory of cultural lag, you know, where, you know, either individuals or societies are usually uh, not quick to respond to a situation until, you know, after the damage is done. And so um, people go out and buy the cheapest health insurance they can or don't buy it at all if they're left to their own devices. And it's not until they become seriously ill that um, the deficiencies in the uh, system become apparent. And, you know, there was an interesting article this morning in the New York Times about a um, woman who... Um, emigrated to France because she um, had a cancer diagnosis. 
and um, she talks about the fact that um, in the waiting room in France, everybody talks about their illness and shares their stories because nobody is under financial pressure. Nobody's at a risk of becoming bankrupt. Nobody is um, um, worried about losing their insurance coverage because everybody has it. And it changes the whole tone of the society. And I think that's what's um, lost on us mm. in the U.S., that um, um, health care has become this, this weight around everybody's um, uh, neck in terms of you know, the fear of losing insurance, the fear of getting ill, uh, the fear of bankruptcy. And so in the long run, whatever solutions we come up with have to really transform the um, way we think about um, providing health care. And that's going to be a, a major uh, disruption and uh, not easy to accomplish. But in the near term, again, Pan is worried about helping as many people as we can today be able to get access to the care they need. And Dan, you mentioned a little while ago around sort of how folks are accessing you. Like you said, um, doctor referrals, they find them, they find you, and there was, I think, a third one. Uh, or oh, the pharmacy. The pharmacy. Yep. Right. And um, you also have this new app called Fund Finder. Tell, us, a lo- tell us about how people are finding you. I love apps. She, yeah. Cheryl, <laughs> Cheryl not only has apps, like, like a new app nearly every day, I think, on her phone, but her car is all hooked up to the app. It's very exactly. interesting. Well, yes. well, we hope you'll download Fund Finder. So the interesting thing in our little niche is that there are about eight charities like PAN um, that um, provide this kind of assistance, particularly to people who have Medicare or other government insurance. And across all of those eight charities, there are about 200 different um, uh, programs available. And when I say a program, I'm talking about grants for a particular disease, a particular type of cancer or a particular chronic disease. And the funds these programs open and close all the time uh, based on whether they have um, funding available. And so it becomes a real chore to be able to track and, and be aware of when a grant might be available. So we did create this uh, uh, cool little app called Fun Finder that you can um, download and put on your phone, and it'll notify you if any of the funds that you're interested in um, open. Wow. So let's say you want to monitor whether uh, a breast cancer fund is open. And there might be uh, four or five charities that have funds for breast cancer. Um, and if they're all closed, you want to know as soon as possible when one opens because you're going to want to get in touch with that charity right away to apply for a grant before all the grants are used up. And so Fund Finder is a, a neat way to do that. And uh, we launched it on December 20th, and uh, it's been a big hit. Lots of people have already signed up, and we're you know, um, getting great feedback. It sounds like it'd be incredibly useful. It, it's necessary yeah. because, um, again, if you're getting treatment for one of these expensive illnesses, um, the difference between whether you can you know, pick up your medication at the pharmacy or not Maybe whether you get a grant from Pan or a similar charity. So who are who are your donors? Uh, not surprising, all of the donations are essentially ninety nine point 
9% come from the pharmaceutical industry. Interesting. Um, they're the only um, group with deep enough pockets to really um, do this uh, kind of funding. But under the federal rules, they're not allowed to provide direct financial assistance sure. to um, patients receiving their health care from the government. Um, there are regulations, in particular, one called the anti-kickback statute, that um, prohibits um, uh, organizations or uh, individuals from inducing Medicare patients to use particular services or products. Oh, that so makes what sense. What happens is uh, it does make sense. Right. It's, it's a good idea. And so the drug manufacturers give the charities like PAN money. Um, they basically pass it over an ethical wall. And once they've given it to us, then we're um, required to make it available on a first-come, first-served basis um, to people who are financially needy. And we're required to cover all of the drugs, all of the products for a given illness, not just the products that are made by the donors. So, you know, our prostate cancer fund, for example, may have um, 40 different products that are made by dozens of different manufacturers. But we may only have half a dozen manufacturers who donate to that fund. But um, we provide support for all of the different generic drugs and brand drugs that patients might need. Uh, no, it's just super interesting. Yeah, it is. And and do uh, a lot of the companies, is it kind of restricted to a particular disease, uh, or are they more broad and just give it to you generally? Most of the charities are um, set up in a way similar to PN. We have about 70 different disease-specific grant programs. Wow. And most of the charities um, are structured similarly. And if you look across all the charities, there are, again, about 200 programs. At any given time, 50% of those are closed. In other words, there's no funding available. And so they open and close throughout the year, uh, depending on the availability of funding. And, and uh, Dan, we had a, uh, somebody called in and said that they were trying to find the uh, app and had a hard time finding it. I was going so, to say the same thing. I went to the app store, and I put in Fun Finder and Pan Foundation, and I couldn't and find it. didn't find it. You need to go to our website. Um, the app is a web app. Ah. So, um, we're waiting to get approved by the uh, app store, and uh, as soon as we do, we'll be available there. Well, but come on, the Google. App- come on, Apple. <laughs> approve this. <laughs> but, yeah, but the app can be downloaded from our website and pinned to your um, uh, uh, desktop, if you will, or p- pinned to your uh, you know, uh, starter page on your phone. Right, and can you give the uh, website so people can find it? Absolutely. It's uh, panfoundation, all one word, dot org. Okay. And for, for our listeners, a reminder, PAN is P-A-N, the Patient Access Network. So it's panfoundation.org. Right, absolutely. And people can also call us um, if they have any questions. And our 800 number is 866-316-7263. And it's important to let um, listeners know that they can call us or go through our website to apply for a grant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have portals available to patients, physicians, and pharmacies who can just apply online. And it only takes about 10 minutes to find out whether you're going to get a grant from PAN. Oh, that um, quick. Oh, yeah. It's all 
automated and tied into electronic income verification. Um, very fancy, very fast. Right, <laughs> right, because you said first come, first serve, so that, that explains it. And so right. I would just have to verify my income and, and my disease, I assume? You'd call us and you would, or you'd go to our uh, portal, our website, and you'd put in some very basic demographic information, what disease, what drug you're taking, what your household income is. You'd confirm that you're living and getting treatment in the U.S. Um, you don't need to be a citizen. You just need to be living here and getting treatment here. Um, and you um, then would wait a, a few minutes. The system would reach out and uh, we use uh, Experian actually partners with us to confirm uh, household income and um, then we would approve your grant give you some important numbers to provide to your pharmacy and you could literally be right at your pharmacy and use that grant immediately oh that's uh, that's actually fantastic I had assumed when you were talking I've spent too much time at nonprofits working with foundation <laughs> grants that I that I assumed it was months before it you goes into a black hole and the quarter come back. Three thing it comes back no, no no we're we're um, we know that patients you know are going to get a prescription from their their uh, physician they need to get it filled they need to start treatment so they're gonna need to take that to their pharmacy and, and, and get that filled immediately. So we you know, are set up to uh, make that possible. Um, and then if we can't help, if we don't have money available for a particular grant, we refer the patient to the other charities. The um, charities all refer to each other. We want to make sure that patients are getting um, access to their uh, treatment. So it's a very collegial group of charities, and um, we... Um, you know, hopefully can always uh, find some way to help patients. Yeah, and Dan, we're, we're coming to the end of the, the segment, so we're going to have to wrap this up fairly soon. But do you have a sense of the unmet need for, this, for these uh, grants? It's, it's huge. Um, we collectively, the eight charities that operate under um, federal advisory opinions from the Office of Inspector General, provide call it one and a half billion dollars in assistance a year. But as I said, at any given time, about half of our funds are closed. So we're probably turning away um, as many people as we help. TAN provides assistance to, um, on average, 200,000 patients a year. Yeah, when you said that and, number, that was huge. Right, and we're probably, you know, turning away um, 50% of that number over the course of the whole year. Wow. And I guess just in the last couple of minutes, you know, it seems like the app's really exciting, but what it's 20 it's the beginning of 2019. What are you most excited about as the CEO of the Pan Foundation? Well, I'm ever hopeful that um, the uh, Congress and the president will um, figure out a way to first lower out-of-pocket costs. And um, the good news is there is some talk about that, and um, the um, president's plan that he put forward did emphasize the need to lower out-of-pocket costs, so I applaud that. Um, and then we know that um, uh, there's a lot of support in uh, Congress um, on both sides of the aisle to try to uh, uh, deal with the issue of um, out-of-pocket costs. Um, I, I think when you get into the detail, it becomes a very you know, challenging and complicated tasks. So sure. again, um, what I hope in 2019 
is that the policymakers don't lose sight of the near-term need while they're trying to find a long-term solution. And I, I think that's going to be um, the big uh, uh, challenge for them, that the um, near-term need is huge, needs to be addressed now, and the longer-term solution is going to be very difficult and complicated. Yeah, we do right. tend to kick the can down the road right, while right. it's urgent. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I think ultimately, um, you know, we're going to end up probably going more in the direction of some other Western European countries, but, you know, it's going to take a long time to get there. Um, But the U.S. system is unique in its complexity and in its um, sort of um, quasi-free market approach to delivering health care, and it has drawbacks. And I think... And, you know, that's that's going to be difficult right. to overcome. And we're going to have to end the segment now. We've been talking to Dan Klein, President and CEO of the Patient Access Network Foundation. You all should check it out. We'll be back soon. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.